Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Off track with Hinch and Rossi. All right, guys. Welcome to the post Indianapolis 500 off track with Hinch and Rossi episode. It is no longer this is May. Mm-mm. Do we do this is June? It's like no. just June. It is just June. <laughs> In LA, it's June gloom. It's June. I don't know if that applies here. Yeah. May well, is like over. The May hangover, the May hangover is real. So the yeah. first few days of June. It is I real. Think I went uh, like no, the 500 is not the, the most demanding race of the year. But you're in a car for a lot of the two weeks, two and a half weeks, if you include the Indy GP. Um, so you're in the car a lot. You're, you're kind of staying active from that standpoint. So you, you're not really in the gym as much just because you're as busy. So Tuesday, going back to the gym for the first time in what seemed like forever, was excessively more difficult than it should have been. <laughs> Yeah, like because you're not hard. you're not sitting around doing nothing, but you're not working the way you you're would not at the trying gym. hard, right? Right, because like you said, it's not the most physical track. So even though you're in the car for four hours a day for like ten of the fifteen days, it's not the same. And then on top of that, you have all the extra commitments and obligations and dinners and this, that, and the other. And once the race is done, and it's a very long, exhausting race, just because it's so long and mentally it's draining. And then you've got to go to the banquet on Monday. And yeah, man, like when it's done, you just want to break. So we head to Detroit today. Yeah. Um, (laughs) At least it's going to be 94 degrees. Oh, is it really? (laughs) Well, you've had plenty of practice on that track, so it's fine. The right. uh, yeah, these street uh, tracks are notoriously cool inside the car. I was just gonna say, at least the walls will block any wind or breeze or anything <laughs> cooling coming off the lake. Um, but that's Detroit. That's 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 next weekend's Alex is next weekend. Alex's problem. Right. Uh, we should probably discuss the Indianapolis 500. We should. So we uh, we obviously did a, a live show that kind of covered all of the chaos of qualifying. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. At the time, we didn't really realize the extent of Stefan's injury from what happened mm-hmm. in the incident in, in practice on Monday. So we should probably talk about that. So obviously, we, we covered qualifying, the drama of, of bump day. Obviously, no one wants to be a part of that. I, It's 
been said you wouldn't wish that on your worst enemy but indianapolis is a race that's earned um no one's guaranteed anything the rll group had a hellish month and their their flagship guy ended up not making the race um but then very shortly thereafter stefan and Catherine were involved in the incident in practice steph very unfortunately and sadly um, fractured a vertebrae in his back, wasn't cleared to race. The good side of that is he had a very successful operation, was actually back at the racetrack this past weekend, cheering on his team, and and you can count on the fact that he will most certainly be back for another attempt yeah. next year. Um, but what that meant was the 23 team, 2014? 2014. 2014. 2014. 2014. Needed to find someone to, to drive that car that was so... Uh, properly qualified into the race and Steph did a great job getting into the race and they went no further than Graham Rahal, which I think was a surprise to everyone. Yeah. I was, I remember talking the night before about it and being like, there's no way it'll be Graham because it's a Chevy. I'd love to hear James's opinion. Yeah. I mean, it's probably mirrors (laughs) yours. Um, (laughs) uh, yeah. Big time racing pundit, Tim Durham wants to throw in his two Mm. cents. Um, (laughs) <laughs> no, look, man, I think every, to, to Tim's point, I mean, Tim's not wrong uh, this one particular occasion. I think everybody thought that the Honda Chevy conflict was going to be too big. On top of the fact that we knew for a fact that J.R. Hildebrand was already in Indy, had already passed his physical, and had already kind of been on the docket to maybe drive for a different team. He raced for them last year. A short plane ride away, Sage Karam would have been able to be there in a in a second. So they had two really good, kind of much more straightforward, commonsensical Who had options. driven their, their car very recently. Exactly. So the fact, look, the, the, the commercial implications of Graham not being in the race were obviously quite big. So the advantages of him now being in the race would have been very attractive. And... I, you know what? I don't know. Alex, maybe you know. I don't know who called who. I don't know if like Dennis reached out to Graham, Dennis Reinbold, the team owner, or if Graham or someone no. from RLL was like, hey, guys. So it was actually, it was actually Graham kind of talked about it, touched on it in the banquet last night. I didn't know prior to last, or sorry, on, on Monday. We're recording this on Tuesday, right. guys. But um, he said that he got a phone call and he honestly like answered it and was cordial, but knew in his head that it was a waste of time. He was like, yeah, no, thanks for calling me. But like, I obviously have to get on the phone with Honda and David Salters and and figure out what they want to do and et cetera, et cetera. Um, And I think that, so here's the thing. I think that was initially everyone's like, oh, that's the number one roadblock. You know, Honda and Graham Rahal and Honda and Rahal have been joined at the hip forever. And He's one of their their main guys and, and all of this. He literally his entire career, his all 15, whatever years he's done in IndyCar, yes. or 17, he's whatever he's on now, has yeah. always won. Not a single C, like Dixon's driven many things. Like all these guys that have been right. around that long have driven multiple things. He's only driven Ahana. Right. But on the flip side, and, and I saw this firsthand, and all of the Chevy people were kind of like, not Chevy executives, let me preface that. Chevy teams and drivers were like, hold on a minute. We don't want Graham to drive a Chevy vehicle for a one-off event, the biggest event on 
earth. And then immediately on Monday, get on the phone with all of his Honda people and be like, A, B, C, and D was different and X, Y, and Z was better. So yeah. that actually in our minds was going to be a bigger roadblock than Honda because ultimately from a strategic you know, performance technical standpoint, this would actually be a good thing for Honda. Forget the marketing aspect, just uh, it's, having a mole yeah. kind of inside the, the Chevy operation. <laughs> it's it's funny how everyone's initial reaction was like, yeah, Honda would, wouldn't want their guy in a Chevy. But then everyone quickly was like, no, 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 wait, no, no, wait. Chevy doesn't want a Honda guy in their car, I think is what really the bigger issue is here. But apparently but, when Graham got off the phone with uh, the uh, Dennis Dreyer, whoever, whoever ended up calling him, it was like an immediate approval, not only from Honda, but also Chevy. And he was just like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> that's so what, that's what kind of stuff, what kind of stuff do you think they had to put in place to like safeguard against some of those things getting out or were they just like, yeah, I guess it's getting out. I, I, I think mean, it's, they probably just didn't tell him a lot of stuff. Right. Yeah. yeah. You know, if you think about it all, he had, he had one, two hour practice on carb day and then the race. So look, he knows that there's a yellow map. He knows that there's fuel save maps, A, B, and C, whatever. Like a lot of this stuff is going to be similar. Driving characteristics, I probably would, you'd assume that Chevy would have had a bigger issue if like this was a rotor street course and maybe some of the drivability differences that, you know, we've kind of noted Chevy made a big jump in last year were a little more identifiable everyone's kind of just you're running flat out at the speedway up front you're throttling it a bit in the corners but like i would have thought maybe there was more tricks in qualifying than there would have been in the race that maybe they didn't want him privy to or something like that regardless they all got along and made it happen and like big applause to everyone you know jim campbell and below on the chevy side david salters and below on the honda side for letting it happen because that's really cool that he was able to then be in the race not to be a spoiler, but just then fast forwarding well. to the fact that the car didn't start on the grid and he ended up getting going two laps down is like such a kick in the d man. I mean, I I can't imagine that emotional roller coaster for that guy over that week is just so brutal to even think about. And then just out there pounding around laps down all day. Oh man, that sucks so much. That's oh, the worst. Yeah. But yes. So that was so that was all of the kind of drama, I think, that led into the race. Carb day was pretty drama free for the most part. Um and and here's the thing. So it was a a fairly mild month of May, but I do there was certainly some from a from a temperature perspective. But there were certainly some some days that were were warm, and I think Monday was by far the hottest day, um, certainly yeah. in terms of track temp. So Monday was a challenge for a lot of cars. Friday was a beautiful morning and um, overcast and cool. And at one point, the turn two track temp was sixty three degrees. So everyone was just pounding around, and <clears throat> I was very annoyed from Friday afternoon all the way through, basically noon on sunday because the amount of people that were like oh we are so good blah 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 and i'm just like shut up everyone was yeah. good like you are not good your car is no better than it's been all month stop talking unless and you were good on monday shut up <laughs> or friday 
the or Thursday the week before. Like, right. shut up. And so you kind of had to deal with that and, and filter out all that noise. Um, and then Sunday, I think, was was predicted to be a little bit more overcast and cooler than it ended up being. But even then, it it was nothing crazy. Um, it was it was a very manageable kind of ambient and track temp. Um, and I think what that what that created was, and and, and I knew this was going to be the case kind of going into the weekend, but with all of the the additional downforce options that IndyCar brought, um, some on the, the bottom of the car from a from a component standpoint, and then also um, allowing the the maximum rear wing angle to be increased from what it's been in years past, you saw a really big separation. Um, up and down the grid in terms of what people thought was the best downforce level. And I think that that was a great success. Um, Not saying that the race necessarily ended up being any better or worse than 2022 slash 2021. But what I thought it did do was it at least allowed teams to, to go about their race in different ways and not every single car was it kind of plus two degrees rear wing. And then the only differentiating factor was last year, two cars didn't have a small wicker on and every other car on the grid had wicker on. So you kind of had some cars that, you know, were going to be a little bit better in the beginning of a stint, maybe slightly worse at the end. You're going to have some cars that were going to have more potential out front in clean air. So I think that that was a success from, from a IndyCar rule standpoint. Um, So I just want to tip, my hat to them and give them credit for that before we say anything else that's bad. Um, but yeah. yeah, no, I think that's a very valid point. And, you know, again, we're going to get into the race, but I, I just, while we're on the topic, I credit that freedom and that variety and downforce options with Alex Pillow being able to come back through the field the way that he did after his issue on pit lane, right? Because he started pole. He probably was on the more trimmed side of things, thinking he was going to be running first, second, third most of the day. And then when he goes down to 30th or whatever after that, they probably just piled on downforce and allowed him to slowly drive his way up through the field. I'm sure they peeled it off on a couple of the last stops as he got you know further up the grid. But if that had been last year or the year before, he would have been stuck back there on max down for us, like everybody else around him. And it wasn't enough to go by anyone. So uh, that's why that that's, that's one like really easy visible example of why sure. the new rules are better. And you were a big proponent of that and a big push on the IndyCar side to make that happen. So the collective IndyCar fan base, thanks you. Yeah, that that being said, you know, there's a cause and effect, right? Like I, I read Joseph's comments and we're going to get into the whole snaking thing, dragon thing in a, in a minute. But Joseph's comments, they, you know, they do carry some weight. And, and his point is, well, the dragon is a necessary evil because ultimately the lead car cannot get away. Like they're, they're a sitting duck. And it's like you're never going to have it both ways, right? You're never going to have it be, you know, a good close race to the finish, which you want for the 8500, but the leader not to be kind of exposed. I don't think there's any scenario to where you can have one of each. And I guess I'm just confused as to where this issue with 
the leader not being able to break away has developed. Because if you look at, you know, so many people talk about Hunter Ray's win as, as one of the like most exciting and best Indy 500s ever. People, you know, often talk about, um, you know, Marco being so close to, to, to when he won. Um, there's, there's a couple other kind of close finishes that we've had. And not being the leader on the last lap was always kind of part of the strategy. And part of the game of trying to like get to second and time your run and, and when you were going to pass for the lead. And it seems that like people now have a problem with, oh, I made it all the way to lap 199 as a leader. I should just win the race. And I don't know where right. that kind of divide came from. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's insane. I think right. it's racing. And part right. of it is the strategy of what, because here, but here's the flip side, right? You don't want to be the leader of 199 if the leader is the slowest car and very exposed. What if a yellow comes out at 199? You win the race. So, like, well, that's the, apparently it, not. Well, it was 197. So, <laughs> you know, but if you get the white flag, if you're coming to the yard on the white flag and then there's yellow, not even IndyCar can throw a red at that point. And so you win. And it's it, it goes back to, and, and, and this is just on the top of my head because it was brought up a lot over the month because it was TK's last race, but his win in 13 that was one of those years where the leader was the was a sitting duck in a lot of ways right but on that late restart he said i'm going for it i'm going out front i'm going to give it everything you know screw it and he gets out front immediately there's a caution and he wins the race so that's the risk you take that's the game you play i think so to one of your earlier points you know we're not able to break away and leaders not able to break away anymore it's actually not true uh, in 2022, Marcus had a three and a half, four second lead over Pato before the red flag and that last restart. What's happened so often in the last few years is we've had late yellows and late restarts. And so, yeah, everybody's right there and it's great. Go back to 2020, Dixon and, and Sato were like comfortably ahead of third place. And you guys were like, they were just kind of cruising around and, you know, this was the chicken and egg situation where Scott was waiting because he thought Taku was going to run out of gas. Taku was staying out hoping for the yellow. He should, he, in hindsight, he should have just passed him and led because it didn't matter if he runs out, that's great. But if a yellow comes out now in 2023, that probably would have been a red flag and Scott would have had another shot at it. Again, digress. We're getting a bit off track there, but I think you can still pull away over a stint. Um, remember for the first 150 laps of this race, nobody wants to lead. So the pack stays very together. No leader pulls away because nobody wants to be out front. I think if we had had an entire green flag last 40 laps, a car probably would have gotten a better, you know, taken care of tires better, gotten a better pit sequence, worked through traffic better. And you could have had a margin of victory of three, four, five seconds with all these restarts. It's just not possible. So, yeah, I agree with your point. You know, those examples that for sure people could have broken away had there not been a late yellow one additional kind of topic on that from a driver that will rename unnamed so often you know we change the distances of road street course races to make the strategy game different right right obviously we're not going to change the indy 500 to be anything but 500 right. miles but his point was what if we change the capacity from a fuel standpoint so that instead of running 18 and a half gallons we ran 17 gallons and so instead of everyone immediately going into a fuel save to basically get a, make it a five-stop race, we could have a flat-out six-stop race. And I was like, actually, that's a very, very interesting point. 
So anyways, I do think there are ways that we as a series can still improve this show a little bit. Um, but yes, I am to kind of conclude all of these topics. I'm happy with, you know, IndyCar's uh, efforts to, to make it a better show. I think it was still a very exciting race and the show was great until the end. And now we can talk about that. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Ah, the sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Do, do, we, do we want to just go through a quick synopsis of your race up to the end, or does it not really matter and we'll just sort of cover it all? No, I mean, yeah, we can. Uh, it's quick. You know, we, we had a good car all month. We knew that we weren't the fastest car, per se, from a, just an outright speed standpoint. But the car was, was very nice. Um, we didn't really have to change much for the entire month, so it made our jobs pretty easy. Um, you know, there was a period of time where, you know, Errol McLaren was, I think had three bullets that certainly could have won the race. Our second stint was pretty horrifying. Um, we just had a bad set of tires. I think everyone up and down the grid had a bad set of tires, which is a problem Dude, that needs to be Dixon's addressed. first set was wow. Yeah, for sure. That was, I've never seen a vibration like that in my life. Yeah. I fortunately didn't have vibration issues, but I had such a balance shift that never appeared again. I've never had a, such an extreme balance shift. I'm talking right. from lap four was completely right on tools, James. Full right front weight, full stiff front bar, full soft rear bar, trying to not crash. And then every other stint was in the middle or left on tools without any so wing change. Right. Okay. So, so that's my question is, did you guys kind of identify that, that, 
that aggressive of a balance shift could really only be a tire issue. So that yeah. way you don't come in for your next stop and just take a ton of wing out of it, trying we to took, cure the problem. We took then, a quarter, we took a quarter turnout because I, I figured it was tires, but the first stint, I, you know, I was a little bit loose, but it was fast. So I was right. like, just leave it. So I took out a quarter turn and the third stint was normal with some understeer. So it was like, right. Put that wing back in, please. <laughs> so yeah, anyways, tough. fortunately we didn't, we didn't react massively. Um, because we had had throughout the month some sets that did some weird stuff. So we kind of guessed that that was the case. So anyways, that put us back from being kind of, you know, third, fourth to seventh, eighth. And then, you know, through the rest of the race, we, you know, got back into, into contention to win. Um, before Felix is yellow, me and Pato were, I mean, Pato was at a, a huge fuel advantage, um, but I was also at a fuel advantage to the other three cars that we were racing because um, we were able to extend our stints each time. So I was yeah, able to all go. All you guys were good at going going long. Yeah. So our tire life and tire and, and fuel mileage was amazing. Um, so I was going to have more fuel than even Felix, um, certainly Joseph and Marcus. Um, so I think in my mind, in those last 30 laps, I was kind of setting it up between Pato and I and into how we were going to fight it out. Obviously, once Felix's yellow came, Everyone was going to be good on fuel. Then Pato's yellow came even better on fuel. And then the, the kind of show just began. Um, and for me, I have, I have kind of two issues. Issue number one is it really seems that I just don't, I, I struggle with IndyCar race control because there was so many blatant, like, aggressively blatant jump starts that there was nothing done about it. Um, And I guess I should have been more reactive when I saw it happen twice and should have just started going with everyone, but never in my career at Indianapolis have I consistently lost spots on restarts. Like I was getting destroyed because I was just doing what the rules say and others were not. And no one seemed to care. So that, that's kind of frustration number one. Then frustration number two is I fully understand the desire to finish a race under green. I completely get it. I don't have an issue with the final red flag. But you can't leave cars from pit lane and go white checkered. They're, that is not okay in my mind whatsoever. They had enough you can't time. Lie. Yes. Sorry to say, do you mean you can't have cars leave pit lane and come straight to right, the green? Right. Yeah. You can. Um, and, and why? They, it's, it's, not, it's not safe. Um, it's, not, it's not how it should, it's just not how it should be done. There there's just, there's, should be certain parameters that we stick to, you know? So engines, as a layman, engines, like, why isn't it safe? Um. Your tire, so so the big thing is Indy's not really tire temp really doesn't matter, but the big thing that doesn't matter at Indy is marble and pickup. So pickup. So when you leave pit lane and you're kind of driving on a new set and they're cold and you use the apron and you come out and you join in turn three and you sometimes drive through the tires are cold, so they don't actually retain any of the kind of stuff that's on the side of the racetrack. They don't pick when, anything up. They don't pick anything up. When they're hot, 
every every inch of the track that you drive over that's not exactly on the racing line picks a bunch of stuff up. And the only way to get rid of all that is to have, you know, a lap, a lap and a half of at speed, kind of accelerating, decelerating, weaving back and forth. And it doesn't even get it all off, but it just gets some of it off the tires. Now, this wasn't a critical issue at the restart. It actually ended up being okay, but no one knew that at the time. All of the right. engines were heat soaked. So no one actually had the correct map that they should have been in because this isn't how it should be done. And the correction for it is as soon as that, that issue happened at the, at the start finish line, just red flag the race. Yeah. We have every ability Next. as drivers to see a red flag and just come into pit lane. We don't need to wait for a safety car. And then you can go out, you can do the proper lap and you can do a green white checker. And I just don't know why that that wasn't done. And when they realized that wasn't done, we finished races under yellow before. We attempted, this was the third attempt at finishing under green. Sometimes you just can't get it done. Yeah, hundred percent. And that's, I mean, that's it's, just all I have to say. It's, it's such a, it's such a tough, <clears throat> it's such a tough thing to make a, to make a call on because I, I agree with you in every, in every aspect of that. I, I, it's not how it's done. I don't think it's how it should be done. That said, and, and, and I know that sometimes races finish under caution, that it's an inevitability. It's part of the sport. Um, <clears throat> but based said, on this precedent, is it now? Well, okay, so here's the thing. What, you, what everybody at home needs to understand is there is something in the rule book that is called the abandonment of procedures rule. And this came into effect after Iowa 2018 when there was a yellow flag with a handful of laps to go. Some cars pitted thinking we were going to have time to go green. Some cars didn't. It ended up finishing under yellow, and there was all this uproar about it. So it gave the series the right to throw the traditional yellow flag procedures out kind of and i guess in this case also the restart procedures out because never has there been a situation where cars left pit lane and came around to the green flag the overwhelming fan feedback from what i have seen is that on the biggest day in racing with the greatest spectacle in the sport with more eyes on it on the, on our series than we get all year long. People were thrilled that there was a shootout for the finish. To your point, we're not going to extend the race. We're not going to do green, white. We're not gonna do overtime the way NASCAR does it. It's a 500 mile race period. I completely agree that they should have just thrown the red immediately. Um, to buy them that one extra lap to do it. And that, doing it the way they did it was an was a very well, I almost want to say uncalculated risk. It was it wasn't even calculated, it was just a risk. It worked out, so they look like heroes, but if everybody had piled into the wall in turn one, they would have looked real dumb. Would have looked real bad. Yeah. And and this isn't even like I was asked after the race by reporters like, oh, what's your opinion? This isn't coming like I wasn't going to win the race. This didn't affect my outcome. Right. I am thrilled to see. I mean, I'll be honest with you guys. I'm thrilled to see Joseph win. And not because I dislike Marcus. It would have been a, just, it's tough for a driver to, to swallow you getting beat at the 500 twice by the same guy in a row. Like, that's just, that's just <laughs> a hard thing to swallow. So, like, okay. All right. I, I, I mean, I'm, I have no problem 
with how the race <laughs> ended results wise. This isn't a, I don't like Joseph Penske rigged it. Marcus was a deserving <laughs> winner. This isn't any of that. I just, I'm like, at what point do you accept that you've tried to give the fans right. a green flag finish? You've done everything. Again. And just the circumstances have stacked up that it's not happening. Like I just, where is that line? And I guess that's there where need I'm, to, yeah. Yeah. There, I, I get abandonment, abandonment of procedures, but there, there does need to be a limit. Right. And, and we need to be informed as a series to what that limit's going to be. We've now pushed it to the absolute limit because you cannot push it any further than that. The reality is if, Coming to that green flag, they get through one and two, but fourth and fifth place, stove it in in turn one. The yellow flag comes out on the back straight, and it finishes under yellow. You cannot ensure a green flag finish. It's just not possible, right? So let's reverse engineer it and say, okay, how far are we willing to push that? Some people are going to say that this was too far. We need at least one more lap buffer. Some people are going to say, hey, this worked. This is the new precedent. Whatever it is, it just needs to now be communicated to everybody this is how we're going to do it. Or, yeah, hey, we tried it. We agree. There's been some negative feedback. We see the potential issues. We're going to re- we're going to push that that threshold back by a lap, and that will be the latest we'll ever throw a red flag. As long as people know, people know, and it's great. I think that both of those guys were deserving winners. You know, I think they both drove incredible races and had either I mean, had Marcus or Marcus Joseph win. Insane jump starts. But, you know, whatever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Dude, you you if you don't get called on it, right? Like No, I mean you're absolutely right. That's why I said I should have done like a better job you do at realizing. It. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You're absolutely right. Coming and, to and, the white flag in the 500, they and, weren't going to no. call a jump start or a slow start. You know that. So. so actually, I have a question on that. If if you're Marcus in that situation, why wouldn't you just gun it and jump the start no, crazy early? But I don't cuz then you either end up in yellow or okay. He did. <laughs> so had I been Marcus, like I would have, I would have driven, I would have gone at 50 miles an hour from turn four so we, all the way to the We line. talked about this. We talked about this on the broadcast. We said, hey, look, they already set the precedent that too slow is a waved off start. Pato, it happened to Pato. But I, I don't think the they were going to wave off. No, that's fine. Dude, I think they would have like, thrown it anyway. Fine. But they ain't going to throw it until the leader at least gets the attenuator. I don't know, man. Don't know. He went so early. They were throwing the green, like entering four, because they saw he was already on the gas. No, I know, but like they're You're not maybe right. Throw I don't until, know until the leader accelerates. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. True, true, true. So yeah, either way, it was a difficult situation. Marcus played it really well, though, because to his point in his post-race interview, he was the only driver on a restart to lead coming out of two. Yeah. Right. And so, had there been a crash behind him, he would have won the race. Yeah. And just because on that particular time, had there been another pile up on the front straight, he would have won the race. So that's why I say both guys drove a race deserving of the win. Luck is an element of this sport. It always has been. It always will be. And he was just, when that red flag came, I think we had this photo finish, you know, recreation of the, of the previous red Ferrucci, Joseph, uh, Marcus all lined up the, to the photo to see who was leading when that red came out. And everyone's like jockeying. I was in front. No, I was in front. It's like, well, in hindsight, you actually, you actually really didn't want to be in front. <laughs> that actually was not the place to be because the way it, uh, it shook out. Okay. What I want to talk to you about now is the dragon. In 2019, it really started with Simon Pagano and you, right? And it worked. 
2020, it wasn't an issue because of the dynamic of the race. 2021, there was traffic in front of Elio, so he didn't need to do it to defend against Pelot. 2022, it comes back into play. Marcus uses it to great uh, great effect to keep Pato behind. 2023, both guys in their respective times out front did it aggressively. Um, Marcus last year took it to a whole new level. Joseph this year took it even further still. So just for people who I, don't maybe don't know what the dragon is, can you explain what the move so, is? Oh yes, sorry. Great point. So that is this this uh weaving move that you've seen now. It's essentially trying to break the draft. You come off of two or four, you aggressively move drivers left, then drivers right. You don't want to go in a straight line and give the car behind the chance to get your draft and and get the momentum to pull off a pass. It's breaking the draft. So I have two issues with it. I have three issues with it, and I'd like to know your opinion on all three. First of all, it looks dumb. It looks amateurish. It looks like a video game. It looks like a bad iRacing league, and I think it makes us look stupid. Two, I do think it's dangerous. Weaving at 220 plus miles an hour is never a good idea. Going below the pit lane line and aiming for pit lane, having to cross back across the attenuator in a car that's not designed to turn right at the moment just seems like an unnecessary risk. We saw how cars can crash going in a straight line on the previous restart, which is why we were in this red flag to begin with. And third, and I think the most important, not that safety is always going to be the most important, but you think back to some of the coolest Indy 500 finishes in history, right? Like Marco and uh, Sam in 06, right? Like Al and Scott Goodyear, little Al and Scott Goodyear in 92, that drag race off of four keeps people guessing to the line, right? It's a drag race to the line. The, the start-finish line at Indy is not in the middle of the front straight. It's closer to turn one on purpose to make that run down, to make it so that you can have these races where a guy comes off of four and second, gets the draft, pops out, and then it's just a drag race to the line. You eliminate that moment by having the dragon because by by allowing that move maybe the guy will get enough momentum but it's going to be into one or into three it's not going to be the side by side across the line that has created some of the coolest finishes in indy 500 fit history i think if you want have a rule where you come off of four and you can make one move to the inside to block cool but you should have to stay there and you should give the guy the because that makes the race look better and it makes it safer. And then it's up to the driver to dictate where he wants to be on what lap. Like the run that Marcus had through four was awesome. He was so close through four. I'm like, man, this is going to be a drag race to the finish. But you're both just doing this and scrubbing speed and nobody can get a draft. Again, it's the rules. I'm not blaming anybody who's done it. But personally, I would like to see the rule now changed because I think it's a gone too far. And I think it robs us as as the fans of some of these really cool finishes thoughts dude i i mean you're completely right and i said it, it after 2019 <laughs> didn't criticize simon for doing it very smart i did not see that coming no problem with it but i immediately was on the phone the monday after to race control and the head of the series and everything and being like are we going to is is this okay? Like, I'm not complaining, yeah. but are, are we fine with this? Yep. No worries. Okay. And as you said, it's now gotten, like, 
at one point, the next, the next step is playing chicken with someone in the attenuator. Yeah. I mean, it's a thing that it, that is, that is how you take this to the next step. And it's like, what are we doing? Because what are we doing? That's that. And that's all I'll say. So, um, I agree with everything. I agree with everything that you just said, James. I think you nailed it. I have no problem with people who have done it. That is part of the the playbook. They've won the race fair and square that way. No issue. But like, I I fully think that it needs to stop. I think that Jim, there's no problem. There's there's no problem with like, you know, if you're if you're really hooked up and you're that good and you want to take the risk and like you can paint the white line out of three and into four and like try something like that or the good old, like remember the good old days when you used to like drive in your mirrors and like chop someone, like make them think that you were giving them a lane. No, seriously coming for the win. Yeah. Like give them a lane and then chop them, take the air at the apex. So maybe they have to lift like, yeah. Bring give that them, sort give of them thing. a half car in three and then take right. it all away in four. Right. So, yeah. Right. Or even give them, give them the lane into four and then just make an aggressive turn down to the apex and hope they have to like have a washout or something like bring, bring that strategy element back into it. Um, try and paint the white line out of four so that, you know, they build some understeer and then have to get back down. Cause like you're not following on the white line, second, second car in line. It's not possible. So like, Let's let's you can still find ways to defend your your lead. You can still find ways to be creative, but let's not keep doing it this way. So that's mm-hmm. that's it. Tim, as someone who's casually observing, what do you think about the kind of green flag, yellow flag debate? And then follow up, what do you think about the this dragon technique? Look, it Yes, this is an entertainment series. Yeah, it's supposed to be for entertainment. And that's fine. If that's what we're going to do, that's that's fine. But that wasn't that wasn't safe. That wasn't how it's been done in the past. And I don't think it's how it should be done. On the dragon, I'm curious how you enforce it. So you made an interesting point, like coming out of four, you get one move to react. I thought like maybe you just shouldn't shouldn't be able to go into the pit line where there's that like crossed line. Like, well, for sure. I mean... They they put an additional dashed line there this year yeah. that sort of follows along to the pit wall. And I sort of thought when I saw that, that was going to be an enforceable line. It obviously was not. But even if you have that line, you can still weave between the walls and have, you got yeah. enough time to do what? Three or four back and forths by the time you get to the corner. Um, and so, yeah, I think you just enforce that. You come off and you can you can track all the way drivers left but then you can only like fade up once the guy's sort of beside well, you. And, or... and, and here's, here's the other thing. Like let's, let's step away from Indianapolis for a second. People are now, I mean, myself included, people are now starting to on, use yeah. this on road courses and street courses. Yeah. Like road America. If you think yeah. that's not going to be a thing at road America, I've done it. And it's so dangerous. It's yeah, so dangerous. I, I was on pole last year and lap one out of turn three, hundred percent did it again. Like, Great point. It's a not great right. point. Yeah, I mean, like, if it's in the rules and it. it's going to give you an advantage, you'd be silly not to do it. For sure. So For sure. The, the rules need to change. Not it's not incumbent on the drivers. And, to... and very, very often. And and here's the other thing: like we talk about, we are so adamant that, especially on ovals with the safety risk, but really every track, that blocking cannot be a movement in reaction. Well. When you drive someone into pit lane, 
their only choice is to eventually turn right back onto the track. So by you doing that, you you are technically moving in reaction because you know what their next move is going to be. So it's right. it is an anticipatory move of what they are going to end up doing. So in a sense, it is still moving in reaction just because the car in second didn't do it first. When you take someone at what you think they're just going to keep it lit down pit lane at 200 miles an hour? No. They're eventually going to turn right back onto the track. So like it is still moving in reaction. 100%. Yeah. No, it's so. it's and that's why it, it's such a it's just such a slippery slope and it just um and like uh, yeah, it's it's yeah, it's a good point like the road course so yeah. I I again, I I'm I'm in agreement. I think there needs to just there needs to be addressed. I don't know how like where exactly we settle on it from from the wording of the rule necessarily but it's definitely i think a topic that needs to be addressed but we shall see we shall see guys it was it was it was an exciting month it was an exciting month i don't know I if we to, wanted I jimmy to say i was thrilled not thrilled that is completely the wrong word i was stunned <laughs> with how few crashes we had throughout the entire month yeah incredible i mean we made up for in the race but (laughs) but even so we got to like what lap 95 before we had a yellow yeah we did yeah Yeah. lap 95 and it was it was a very very calm collected month from everybody and yeah that first the first caution was you know stingray and and graham and you know it's kind of a you can argue maybe graham moved late it's also just I, i look i did the exact same thing my rookie year and it was a bit of an inexperienced thing of had a 90 something lap of green flag running, you know, it's going to be gray up there and a lot of marbles. You got to just be a little more heads up on when you lift and how you lift and who you're racing and when and why and whatever. Um, so like, you know, that one was kind of whatever the, um, and then it was, and oh yeah. And then I think, I don't know if Felix was the next one or Grosjean was the next one. Grosjean was the next I guess Grosjean one. was the next one. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, in the first 150 laps, we only had two yellows and then we just got into that last 50 lap. It's so funny because we talk about this all the time, like on the broadcast, especially it's there's in these two races, right? It's the race from lap one to 150, where you're just surviving, hanging out, making the mileage, taking care of your car, working on your balance, figuring out your trim levels. And then the laps from 151 to 200 where it's all right, now it's time to go pedal down, make some moves, take some risks. And it, this race played out exactly like that. Everything up to 150 was kind of like innocuous, little issues, single car deals, whatever. And then from 150 onwards, it was chaos. <laughs> it was crazy passes, crazy crashes, all sorts of yeah. stuff. Um, it really just, and then, yeah, fin- exactly finally, like I think uh, another like just main talking point of the month was the crowd. Like unbelievable. You know, through practice, qualifying, carb day was unbelievable. Turn one on carb day looked like race day. So, yeah, a huge shout out to everyone that came. Um, ultimately, you know, you got you got a hell of a show. So I hope that uh, everyone that came enjoyed it and uh, certainly comes back next year. But it's, it's it's really cool to see the 500, you know, the series as a whole. But certainly the 500, you know, really making a return back to to the glory that that it should have. Um, and, you know, I think we're going to be really close here in the next year or two to, to selling it out again, which is an amazing accomplishment. Yeah. That would be bitching, man, to have another sellout. That's not a milestone. You know, it's not the hundred. I'm, I'm just waiting to win that one, you know? 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Alex only likes to win when it's the most yeah, capacity. Yeah, like, oh, there's, oh, there's 1,500 seats available. I'm good this year. I'll skip. Yeah, <laughs> I'll wait. I'll yeah. wait. Yeah. I'll Alex take, is I'll like the blackout. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I only want to yeah. watch. I only want to win if people at home in Indy can watch it on TV live. That's so kind of you, man. That's, it's, yeah, it's your like yeah. private yeah. protest, dude. Do it for the, the fans. Blackout. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent for the people, not for, for the people, people, people for the yeah. people. Yeah, big people guy. Right, we're right. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> big um, people guy. Alex Ross. Clearly, the Carb Day crowd was uh, because of our live show, and so we thank yes. everyone who yeah. came out for the live show. Uh, Alex, you were missed. You were greatly missed. I um, honestly didn't miss it at all. I know you didn't, but you should go back and for the first time in five years, actually listen to an episode because Elio shares a story on that, on that episode. He pooped himself. Yep. Oh my God. You told him? I told, I mean, how do you not? Cause I wanted him to actually have to listen to an episode. <laughs> yeah. But you know, he's not going to do that. I mean, if I told him there was a cool Elio story about pooping, he, he might would just immediately, he would immediately call me and be like, what was the story though? <laughs> yeah, but if, and you would just you would just do that i would tell him because i'm very weak no integrity I, none <laughs> <laughs> yeah well, good enough. luck in detroit uh, boys yeah i mean that's just it we have we could do another tire you know 20 minutes on heading into detroit but we'll save it for post detroit um i'm very curious to see how it goes um same literally at I literally, as I said that, I got text popping up from my producer at NBC who's on site at the moment. And the comments coming up are pretty, pretty comical. So it's, hey, look, first time street circuits are always interesting. They always have their challenges. Um, I think it's cool that we're right downtown. I think everyone's going to miss certain things about Belle Isle. I think people are not going to miss certain things about Belle Isle. But uh, yeah, man you're you're going there first time always cool to be an inaugural winner of a place so why don't you just go ahead and do that i'll do my best james only if it's sellout though so (laughs) (laughs) this has been off track with hinch and rossi off track is part of the sirius xm sports podcast network if you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more please give us a five-star rating and leave a review subscribe today wherever you stream your podcasts we're at ask off track on twitter and instagram If you want to follow us on Twitter individually, I'm at Hinchtown. He's Alexander Rossi. And if you want to follow Fim, though we have no idea why you would, he's at the Tim Durham on Twitter. Follow us on YouTube and subscribe to our channel for exclusive video content. Off Track is produced by Tim Durham. And by that, we mean Fim. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So... No, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.